1: And on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Met Crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
0: of a detour.
1: If you're looking to add some excitement to the tournament games, make Bet DSI your tournament betting partner. Bet DSI has been paying winners for 20 years, and it's top-rated on betting review sites. BetDSI has a very user-friendly interface, a mobile site, and has the fastest payouts in the industry. You just play, win, get paid. BetDSI offers betting options for everything. So, you can bet on March Madness, the NBA, the NHL, and all other major sports. You can even bet on politics and reality TV. It's crazy. You bet on virtually everything and anything. Try live betting at BetDSI, where you can bet on games from start to finish, every play, every minute until the end. New members get 100% bonus match using promo code KING. Once again, go to BetDSI.com and use promo code KING and get this limited-time 100% bonus offer to make some extra cash betting the madness in this tournament. Get one free million-dollar contest entry just for signing up with promo code KING. It's only a game until you bet it at BetDSI. Welcome to the Peter King Podcast, where I try to tell you quite a bit about football and just a smidgen about life. This week, Peter Schrager of Fox Sports and Good Morning Football on NFL Network going around the league on all the stuff happening, including an interesting projection for the New York Giants in the April draft. And we'll talk to Ross Ketover of NFL Films, who has got a really interesting thing going on with Peyton Manning as we head toward the NFL's 100th season. And I'm having Ross on the show because... I'm so fascinated with this Peyton Manning thing. There's a new show coming called Peyton's Place this fall that I think is going to be really, really fun. And we'll have Ross explain that. But first, you know, as we record this on Tuesday afternoon, uh, April 2, uh, word has just come down that the Alliance of American Football, the Spring League designed to basically give National Football League teams a farm system, a triple-A, a double-A teams to sort of watch young players develop and maybe bring four to six per team uh, to training camps after uh, the spring season ends. You know, it's just almost they basically were designed to be a feeder system uh, for young players and marginal players for the National Football League. And I remember talking to Charlie Eversall, the founder of this league, several months ago. And we talked about how, in my opinion, these new spring leagues, they need to do one thing far and away more importantly than anything else in their development. And that is you walk into a room and put on your drawing board, we are playing football for three years, period. If there's any question that the league might not play for three years and might not be able to survive the ups and downs and the bumps in the road, then don't do it. And now as word comes down that they're about to fold after only eight games in season one, it's a, it's, it's a joke. It's laughable. Uh, You know, why do you start a business if you think that two months into the business that there's even a remote chance that it might not work? And, uh, you know, obviously everybody read a month or so ago uh, an entrepreneur who owns the Carolina Hurricanes of the NHL, Tom Dundon, got in and infused $250 million of capital into the league well, obviously, he didn't spend all that money, you know, reports today, or that he spent about a quarter of that in this year to try to make this work. Um, and, and, you know, there will, be, there will be reasons why it didn't work. And there will be stories out there that will explain, well, here's what happened. But, you know, and it's all white noise to me. It just simply doesn't matter. If you don't have the capital to move this thing forward, don't start it in the first place. And it's 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 embarrassing. It really is embarrassing. Um, and you know, for the 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 NFL people who got involved, like Bill Polian, uh, Dan Kaplan of Sports Business Journal, uh, who's been uh, ahead of this story every step of the way, uh, you know, is reporting now that that there's a lot of people who don't want this this thing to fold, uh, but Tom Dundan apparently believes that you know he's throwing money down the drain. So again, another league with good intentions, but with uh, a plan that just simply was not solid enough, folds, bites the dust, and basically leaves the NFL searching again for a developmental football league that everybody in the league says is necessary, but nobody in the league wants to support with millions of dollars, the millions of dollars it would take for a developmental league to work. In my opinion, that's the only way. And I know Vince McMahon is restarting the XFL, uh, in 2020 and everybody now will look to that league. I I mean, I, I look at all these leagues that, you know, if the XFL doesn't have a rock solid plan in place to play three years of football, I, I, I'll pay no attention to it. It's meaningless. You know, these are the kind of things that that have to have a long term plan, and when they don't, uh, it's it's a debacle, as the AAF history turned out to be. And now my conversation with Peter Schrager of Fox Sports and Good Morning Football. Back on the Peter King Podcast. Very happy to be joined by Peter Schrager of NFL Network, uh, Fox Sports. Good morning, football. Uh, Peters, we record this. We're out at the NFL meetings in Phoenix. We're going to play this about a week after you and I speak about it. And I, 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 I thought that it would be good for us to start because, like, I watch occasionally, say once every two weeks, I'll be sitting there working and I put on Good Morning Football. And I never thought that Good Morning Football was anything more than, well, we need some morning programming to fill out this 24-hour behemoth. And I find myself kind of really liking the show. And I find myself looking at it and thinking to myself, one of the reasons I like the show is that I like the people. And so I I just let's let's talk for a minute about Good Morning Football. Why do you think that it's been f- fairly critically acclaimed and you guys have made something of what a lot of people felt was just going to be a space filler.
2: Absolutely. Hey, first of all, that's amazing for you to say that. You know how much we revere you and me personally. I... I think we all came into the job, and for all of us, it was this huge career opportunity. I, not to get into it, but I was writing sports for foxsports.com with a couple you know, TV experiences with Fox Sports 1 and NFL on Fox. And then Kyle Brandt was a producer at Jim Rome, never really the guy, always the guy behind the guy. Nate Burleson, similarly, had opportunities with NFL Network, was the guy behind the guy. Randy Moss and Calvin Johnson as a player. And Kay was up in New England doing stuff for the Patriots, but was also more of a fantasy football expert, not really. So for all of us, it was a no-brainer, but I think a lot of people on the outside were thinking, okay, this is, you know, none of these people are people that are household names. So we kind of take a lot of pride in building it together, but you've been on the show. We like to think that it's a likable show, but our passion for football is real. We love the NFL, and we openly joke about it. We were talking on last Tuesday, and we're just saying, Zion Williamson's all right, but who really cares? Let's talk about the Jaguars running back's room. Like, and it's like we take the piss out of it a little bit, and I think people appreciate that. And the overwhelming response we get is that it's not an angry show. When you're watching it, you don't want to get angry. You don't get heated. It's, it's more like it's on I don't mind it, and I kind of like it, and that's what we're hoping. And every NFL team has the NFL network on 24 hours a day in their facilities. So even if it's not hitting the mainstream as much as maybe we'd hope and that it's you know nominated for sports Emmys, none of that stuff, it is the show of record in the mornings around the league. So for me personally, as someone who thinks he's pretty plugged in, and everybody watches it, and if you want to have an opinion – you're not saying it into some you know empty vacuum. You're saying it, and that person's going to hear it, yeah. and there's some weight to it. So I love the show, and I love that you like it. That's cool.
1: Um, I, I talked to Nate Burleson on this podcast a few months ago, and I was charmed by him, really was. And he really – I think he's got a chance to be really, really good in this business, in part because – he's going to work at it. He's not just going to show up. And <clears throat> he's not going to show up and, and just say, okay, I'm the former player. Let me analyze why this receiver is good. Yep. Okay? He's going to work at it because I think he views himself, seven years from now, I'm going to be Michael Strahan Jr. So how do you look at him in this way? How do you look at him vis-a-vis a lot of former players who are trying to make this transition.
2: I listened to that podcast, and I thought he was excellent with you. And you said you went up to Strahan when Strahan was young and was a no-name player in the Giants. And you said, there's a little sparkle in this guy's eye, and I see it. I saw that in Nate when he was a player, because I used to cover all the NFL, and I'd go into the Detroit Lions locker room, and you've got Titus Young and Calvin Johnson and and a young Matt Savert, and Burleson is holding court in the locker room where everyone's talking to Burleson, all the reporters, and he loved it. And he doesn't need to do this. Nate played 11 years in the league at a high level. He works on the CBS Sunday show. He doesn't need to wake up at 3.30 in the morning, Monday to Friday, take a 45-minute drive from central Jersey into the city to go do a show for three hours a day with very little vacation time. But the fact he does do it, and he's all in, and he pumps Kyle, myself, and Kay up as his equals and doesn't look down on us because we didn't play the game or maybe we don't – He's the ultimate. You were charmed by him. I've been with him for three years. I don't think we've ever had a moment where the two of us haven't had the ultimate respect for each other and are as, I'm as in love with working with him as I am with anyone I've ever worked with. This guy is the real deal. And yeah, you said straight ahead. I think he could do what James Brown does in 10 years. I think he could be a host. Like, the sky is the limit for him. And the fact that he was Calvin's number two and Randy's number two, it's not a chip on his shoulder, But there's something to that where he wasn't handed everything. He was a third round pick, and I appreciate the hell out of it because I think you and I like we worked for it. So to come to work every day and a guy who doesn't necessarily need to be in that chair but is in that chair, the sky's the limit for Nate.
1: Yeah, I I think it's. I just think it's, you know, sometimes I realize there are serious issues in the NFL that need to be addressed. But there's nothing wrong with having fun with something that is fun. You know, and football's fun. Why'd you get into this, right? Yeah. It's fun. It is fun. We'd
2: be doing politics. We'd be doing, you know, environmental law otherwise. Yeah. Like, that's what I always say. And one of our first mantras of our show is something that Chris Collinsworth came on. And I love Chris. He came on and he says, you know, why I like you guys and his nice, you know, southern draw. Football's supposed to be fun. and You guys right. have fun. And I'm like, God forbid we thought that way. You know, we understand yeah. there are issues and we're going to take them serious. Like you said, there's gravity to all this stuff. But at the end of the day, if you're choosing to watch us over Joe Scarborough or yeah. you know whoever else in the morning, yeah. you're here because you want to have fun.
1: Yeah, with Peter Schrager of uh, Good Morning Football and everywhere else. Peter, I, I I wanted to ask you. You know, we've we you know before we started, I said you know in this off season we've been sort of maniacal about a few stories, Antonio Brown and. And and Odell Beckham and I I wanted to touch on a few other things, particularly maybe some teams and some signings or some transactions that really haven't gotten a lot of attention, and then maybe look forward to the draft a little bit. But I want to start with the New York Jets. Let's do it. I'm I'm um, I've got a bit of a love hate thing with the Jets this off season um, because. The road is littered in the 26 years of NFL free agency with teams that spent a lot of money, and by late October we're saying, "Oh my God, we have major buyer's remorse." And it isn't that I don't like or respect Le'Veon Bell, but I'm not sure this is going to work, and I'm not sure it really would work anywhere. He was on the he was with the best offensive line probably in football. Um, he had an incredible passing game to take the pressure off him. Now, you know, he's going, he's got a young quarterback an unproven quarterback, uh, with a, as of now, a very questionable passing game, although they've added bodies there. So tell me wh- whether you think Le'Veon's going to succeed or fail and why
2: I'll, I'll go back a few months. I think I've gotten to know Christopher Johnson fairly well, uh, Woody's brother, and he's kind of serving as the owner and CEO right now. Very interesting guy. Comes at it from a different viewpoint, progressive as heck. And he basically told Mike McCagnin and Todd Bowles, get, your, get yourselves together here, and you guys better get on the same page, or either you're both out or want to use out. And they lost 41-10 to 10 to Matt Barkley and the Bills. And it was kind of the writing on the wall for Todd Bowles. It was good of a guy who was, he was out. Mike McCagnin, he said to Mike McCagnin, like, okay, now, look, I'm going to give you the open wallet. Go find me the grocery. Like, you go find it, and you go figure it out. And I think Adam Gase came in. They all got on the same page. And if you were to tell a Jets fan that you're going to come away with C.J. Mosley and Le'Veon Bell in free agency, they would have been doing flips two months ago. But the money they spent on an inside linebacker, $17 million, when Luke Kuechly makes $12 million a year and Bobby Wagner makes $10 million, it might be a tough pill to swallow. Le'Veon Bell, making the money he's making guaranteed. You could, at the end of the day, this will only, only work if Sam Darnold's any good. Yeah. And they believe he is. Adam Gase is a is a, I would say, a quarterback whisperer of sorts. He's seen him all. Peyton Manning swears by him all the stuff. Gase told me yesterday, it was off the record, but I'll say it here. Gase told me, I didn't know if, you know, necessarily I don't know him yet, because we haven't really gotten to know each other, but you watch him in moments on film and he's got it. There's something there. And if anyone is gonna cultivate it, whatever that is. Case will get you there. I mean, he's that's what he does, and I feel like there were questions whether Darnold and compare him to Baker and compare him to Josh Allen. If Darnold is what they think he is internally, and they think very highly of him, the Jets are going to be a good team. Yeah, and Le'Veon Bell, you know it. I don't. I don't think the line of suitors was as long as maybe him and his representation thought there was. He got good guaranteed money. I, we can debate dollars and cents. All it is. But there's no David DeCastro and Pouncey right. blocking for him, you know. Yeah. Villanue- Alejandro Villanueva is not setting him up. For cre- this is a different offensive line, and Robbie Anderson's the number one receiver, not Antonio Brown. So, if Le'Veon Bell wanted to show everyone something. This is this is the situation to show them that he does not have the supporting cast that he did.
1: I do love Mosley, and I love the fact that even though he's a different personality, he hit, he was on his way to becoming the Ray Lewis of the Ravens defense. They're gonna miss him, and. Is seventeen million a year a lot for him? Yes, but I I also think every year we say, "Oh my God, I can't believe player X signed for X and million. And the next year, <laughs> and the next year, it's going to be more because the salary cap goes it's up it. eight or ten percent. Well, six or eight. It's also doesn't
2: it feel like it's like a, the day of? Oh, Oh, eighty four million. And then no one thinks. Once the season starts, you're not wondering. You're not checking the guy's dollar and cents. Right. And with the Jets, they paid seventeen for him, but. They look at it as, who's leading Jamal Adams in that locker room right now? Like, who is yeah. he looking at? And now he's got someone. And yeah. who's the guy? And from the Ravens' standpoint, I don't know. What were you going to ask? Because I, I got thoughts on the Ravens, too.
1: So, uh, one other thing about the Jets. How close do you really believe they came to hiring Matt Rule, the head coach at Baylor, as their coach?
2: Yeah, I think that was pretty legitimate. I mean, Me, too. And and I don't know if he's spoken about it on the record. I know Matt pretty well. I've gotten to know him. And I basically, it was... Here's Todd Monken. We really like him as an offensive coordinator. You guys would make a great team. And from what I'm told, you know, Rule has a relationship with Parcells. Asked Parcells his thoughts on that situation. Parcells says, No, 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 you do not get a blind marriage when this is your job. And I think Rule kind of withdrew himself, but I think he was very much in contention. Yeah. I think Kingsbury was very much on their radar. Kingsbury got on a private jet after meeting with them, flew out to Arizona. Michael Bidwell takes him on a helicopter ride, and by the end of the helicopter ride, sign sealed, delivered. I think
1: you got to t- explain, by the way, I do think, I mean, when. <clears throat> You know, when Christopher Johnson and Mike McCagnan fly to Waco, Texas, and are sitting in Matt Rule's house, this is not any perfunctory... dalliance. Yeah, exactly. Is. They wanted him. I just think they wanted him to hire uh, either Munkin or Adam Gase when he really didn't know either one of them, which was sort of unfair. But, hey, look, you know, Gase, uh, I think... I think Adam Gase is a really, really interesting choice, and I think he's a good choice. But I also think that I totally get why he did not develop the quarterback in Miami because Ryan Tannehill got hurt twice in yep. three years. So it's hard to play when you're hurt. But, but he still has to prove that he can make a young quarterback good because – Peyton Manning is a just add water guy, You're right. You're you know. Right. Even though Manning does love him, you know he's still got to prove he can develop. There's one.
2: more to it too, though. Like Adam, okay. So you've interviewed Sean McVay. You walk. Sean McVay's gonna make eye contact with you. You're gonna feel like the most important person in the world. You know, I don't know if you've gotten the chance to meet with Cliff yet. Cliff is gonna charm you. There's something to. Him. Gase is not looking to be your friend. Right. Adam Gase is rough around the edges. And yep. players do like playing for him, but a lot of players did not like playing for Adam him. Adam
1: Gase is really a lot like his father-in-law. Joe he's Vitt, a lot right? like, no. like, like Joe Vid. Like, yeah. and, and, and for those a- who don't know Joe Vid, he's a longtime <laughs> NFL assistant who you meet him, he goes, meh. Yeah. You know. Media. Yeah.
2: yeah, and that's Adam. And again, Peyton... Peyton's got a sardonic wit to him, too. So Peyton kind of liked that edge, you know? Yeah. But Adam is rough around the edges, and I don't think the ownership situation in Miami with Adam went great at the end there. I do think it's going well here, but you put Greg Williams, Adam Gase, Joe Vitt, Blake Williams, Greg's son, all in the same coaching staff. I don't know if that's a ticking time bomb, or is it going to be the greatest thing ever, and there's salt and vinegar, and they're going to just completely you know, be pissing vinegar and run through the league and go beat the Patriots. There's a chance.
1: Support for the Peter King Podcast comes from Wix.com. With Wix, you can create your very own professional website. Choose a template you love and customize it by adding your own text, images, and videos. With hundreds of intuitive design features, you can tell your story exactly the way you want. Want even more for your website? You can easily start a blog, launch an online store, or create an event. Share everything in a click on social media and drive even more traffic to your site with SEO tools to get found on Google. Wix has all the tools you need to create the exact website you want. You can even create a beautiful website while listening to this podcast. Over 140 million people choose Wix to create their website. So create yours today. You can get started now by going to Wix.com. That's W-I-X. Wix.com slash Peter King. Go there and get 10% off. That's Wix.com slash Peter King. If you were the Miami Dolphins, if you're Steven Ross... And you desperately want your long-term quarterback. And somehow, some way, you can't get him this year. Let's say you love Kyler Murray or Haskins and they're gone. You can't move up. The price is prohibitive. Blah, blah, blah. Which I'm not sure the price will be prohibitive because I do think they're going to go crazy trying to get a quarterback. But let's say you don't. Do you play like the Houston Astros did for a while and the Philadelphia 76ers did, and you basically say, uh, you don't tell your fan base this or like what the Knicks are doing now. You don't say to your fan base, we're trying to lose games, but do you try to institute your culture while basically saying sometime in the next 14 months, we have to get our long-term quarterback and we'll do whatever it takes to do that?
2: Has it ever? I mean, you're the historian on this. Has it ever been done in football?
1: I don't. Th- I don't remember it I ever being find done. I can't. I don't know. I've never heard of anybody even intimating. Yep. We're we're there's we're no trust out the this process. Yes. Yeah. This. yeah. There, I've I've never heard of it, and so I'm not I'm not necessarily saying that it's true. But the one thing I've heard about Steven Ross is that he's got the APB out on his next quarterback, and he's saying at all costs we're going to get a quarterback. And so how do you do that? I mean, you don't get him in free agency. No. You can't get Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving in Not the in NFL. League. No. So I just I I really am watching the Dolphins closely. I also don't know if in this
2: draft and I think Kyler goes one. We could talk about that. I think Kyler's going to Arizona, but I don't – I mean, you ask around. Like, Haskins and Locke are okay, but they're yeah. not – you're not putting all your eggs in the Haskins or Locke basket. You're not trading up to get number two pick to get Haskins or Locke. It just doesn't seem like that's the buzz. So then do you bite the bullet for a year and hope that you get a top three pick so you can get Tua or Trevor Lawrence or one of these guys from? I don't know. I remember a couple of years ago people saying, this team's going to tank so they can get Matt Barkley. Matt Barkley was a fourth-round pick. Oh, like, yeah. you don't know with these quarterbacks. I'll also say this. I remember – because I was going through my mind – When Harbaugh first got the job in San Francisco, there was a talk, not in San Francisco, but around the league that bite the bullet for one year and then Andrew Luck. And then look at the moves they've made. That team with Alex Smith, Harbaugh's first, I think they went to the NFC Championship game. So you don't know, you can't predict, and your team can catch fire. The NFL's different.
1: You know, know, when you think about that, it's so funny. What a difference eight years makes because eight years ago, Jim Harbaugh you know, drafted Colin Kaepernick in the second Second round. round, And over a two-year period, he made him like a sensation in the NFL. How amazing it is. And I I don't – you know, in the NFL, things happen so fast. It's crazy. And people go out of fashion so quickly. And, you know, look what happened to Chip Kelly. He just – it's – everything conspires – to make the NFL a short-term life.
2: My wife and I were talking because she was like, "You're really going away again." I'm like, "Yes, that's what it is." She goes, "This NFL—it's a hamster wheel." I go, "It is a hamster wheel, but people get discarded left and right. Like it's yeah. what it is." Jim Harbaugh hasn't coached in the league, you know, and it feels like it was yesterday. Chip Kelly—I haven't heard that name in a while. Steve Wilkes was the head coach of the NFL last year. At these owners' meetings, being feted like a king, like the new Steve Wilkes, the gone. That's yeah. the NFL. It's a short shelf. So when you hear things like. Maybe Gettleman is, you know, looking to go with Eli and then next year draft Tua. We can't guarantee Dave Gettleman is the GM. If they have a top three pick, I don't know if he's the GM next right, year. It doesn't right. work like that in the NFL.
1: Yeah. Uh, but the Baltimore Ravens, yeah, a very interesting ball club because for many reasons. One, the the handoff of Ozzie Newsom, from Ozzie Newsom to Eric DaCosta, the handoff from Joe Flacco to Lamar Jackson, uh, a total rebuilding of the defense after it gets almost stripped other than the secondary. So how, how do you look at the Ravens right now? It's so interesting because I was asked a question on our show. Are we sure Lamar Jackson's
2: good? That's a great question. And I said, they are building their entire team around his skill set, and I'm going to trust Ozzie Newsom, Eric DaCosta, and John Harbaugh who saw him for six months in practice and saw him at OTAs and saw him at training camp and saw him enough to say we're passing the torch because I did the sidelines of their Saturday night game, not the playoff game, but the Saturday night game against the Chargers where they won, and it was right before Harbaugh got his extension, and I said, what makes this Lamar Jackson so special? And he said, we're going to be able to draft differently than every team in the NFL. That's a competitive advantage. No, that's interesting. I didn't even think of that. we're going to build what our team needs is going to be different than every other team so what we draft might it might be a third round pick for another team but we have our own different draft board because what we are going to run on offense and how we are going to run it is unlike anything else we are an outlier and it was a lot of Malcolm Gladwell stuff and he was looking at it as okay maybe we're never going to beat Brady with what we got with Flacco again maybe that was a time ton- we have to be outside the box and it was actually really progressive thinking from the Ravens so when I see them get rid of Crabtree... Don't you then- think
1: that... I think that, like, two of Eric DaCosta's really good friends in the business are the two Astros guys who just took over the Baltimore Orioles. They're, they're like, analytics central. Um, you know, DaCosta loves, like, Daryl Morey. Loves it. And all that stuff. And he he seems to be more inclined... To trust analytics a little bit more than almost any other general manager.
2: And if it's not analytics, it's at least a different way to look at this. It's been yeah. looked at the same way, and it's not a spread offense. I'm not going to say it is, but Orlando Brown was really good for them, and he was a third-round pick. And that was the example they used. They said, he might not work in any other offense. He might not be able to start in the league, but the way we use Lamar and the way that his skill set fits Lamar, that's great and that works. And, you know, last year I said, well, what's missing from your team? What do you got? You know, maybe we can use a little, you know, another power runner. And they got to do Mark Ingram. You know, what do you need on defense? And I remember them saying, you know, Weddle's a great coach back there, but maybe we have another. Earl Thomas is that guy. Like I think they have a plan and I think the money was just too rich for CJ Mosley. It was nothing against CJ. That's a big loss, but their offense is going to be really, really different this year than what we see around the league. It was last year. It caught up with him in the playoff game. Chargers second time they saw him had the book, put six safety, put six defensive backs out there. We'll figure it out. Lamar's not going to beat us with his arm. Is Lamar Jackson good? We'll see.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I wonder if you, you know, basically being close to the Giants and knowing the Giants so well, I really get the feeling that they might not take a quarterback. I mean, that there's a legitimate chance that Dave Gettleman goes, I'm making this up, Quinnon Williams yeah. at at six, six and. Clellan uh, Flerrell at yes, 17. Yeah, let's build yeah. it. Yeah. In other words, you know, when he. Like, what he did with Carolina, you know, it's funny. When I wrote about Odell a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that I was told, remember one thing about Dave Gettleman. He's unlike any general manager right now because he still believes that if you don't have a good offensive line and a good defensive line, you can't win regardless of how great your other players are. And I think that's a little bit foreign to people t- in today's football. But that's the way Gettleman believes. And I just get the feeling that if they don't love Haskins, the if they don't love him, they're I not, not going to pick a quarterback.
2: I think the other guy might be. Well, just wait the next month. I'm telling you, Drew Locke is getting a lot of buzz here. I've yeah. been here, and I've been talking to G- I know multiple teams that have Locke above Haskins on their board. That's the wild card here. If they love Locke, because yeah. I think he might be there at six – and they say it's a four year starter. Gettleman will like that. He's six foot four. Gettleman will like that. He can throw the ball. Gettleman likes that. Like, that might be the pick. What, I had an interesting conversation with someone who said that they were making calls to the draft and they heard secondhand, so not direct, but last year someone called the Giants about the two pick. And Gettleman was beside himself that they would even consider trading it because he says, We got a Hall of Famer. This, this Saquon, he's a Hall of I'm not going to ever trade a, for a. It's a bird in the hand it was the guy like didn't mm-hmm. matter whether they love Darnold or Bay. Like, they weren't trading that pick. It was a hall. Of- he still views it that way that you take the best player on the board. So to your point, if Quinnen Williams or if Josh Allen or yeah. if any of these guys are at six and he views them as a future all pro or hall of famer, who cares about the critics? We're going there. Yeah. I have doing a- I'm doing a mock draft. I haven't taken drew lock. Wow. I think drew Lock. I think drew lock fits it. And I, the Giants don't throw smoke screens around. I don't think they play that game. When he started going on and on at the combine about the Kansas City model and the handoff and all that stuff, I think there is something to it. I think they will take a quarterback.
1: So then what about Haskins? I think
2: I don't I think Locke goes before Haskins just wow, based that's on really, that's just really based on this week. Yeah. I don't know. I think Haskins did really well at his pro day. I had a coach, head coach tell me very impressive said that th- and all the feedback from the scouts that were there or Pied Piper led his team. Cause that's the knock on Haskins one year. It was a great year. Yeah. But what are we getting with Locke? Although he hasn't won national championships or all this stuff, many different offensive styles handled it like a champ. Father was a football player. Grandfather was a football. Like there's this security and a four year starter and experience and the build and the size that drew Locke looks more the part, but yeah, Haskins, don't sleep on Denver for quarterback.
1: Yeah, you know, they're not
2: done with Joe Flacco, and John Elway's going to keep swinging until he finds one. So if Joe, I Denver-
1: I I feel strongly that this year or next year they're going to take one. Yeah, you know because I, I I I I thought it was really weird and a little bit unfortunate that Elway got kind of beat over the head when he when he went out and got Flacco. Yeah, because my whole point was. Guys, he's not taking Flacco to be his quarterback for the next five no, years. A, he might be, might, but he's going to take a quarterback in the next couple of sure. years. you and, know. And,
2: and the hope is, like with the Giants, that they're not picking 10th overall next year. That they're picking right. 17th overall. So if you have the 10th overall pick and Haskins falls there, I don't hear any buzz or anyone really – I mean, I know on NFL Network we have all these mock drafts <laughs> and these – I don't hear – I mean, I'm not knocking to kid, but I don't hear anything on Daniel Jones – His name faded since the combine. I don't know if he had a bad experience or what, but you don't hear anything top 10, top 15 with him anymore. And he's the fourth quarterback in this draft. So who knows where he goes? But I think Haskins does go top 10, and I think a Washington or a Denver, if they have to maneuver a little bit, makes sense.
1: Taming the briar patch, mowing the lawn, trimming Yeti whatever you call it, it's about time we talk about manscaping. Guys, you manscape, right? You know, keep things trimmed and fresh. Nine out of ten women of all ages prefer their guy manscaped. But you've got to have the right tools, or you'll look like you used a machete. Pop over to manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D. And check out the perfect package. No, not that perfect package, but the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 that was a smash hit on Shark Tank. It features the lawnmower, a precision trimmer engineered for below the waist grooming. The skin safe technology means no more accidental nicks and no more painful burns. Check out the lawnmower and the amazing grooming and hygiene products that come with your perfect package. You will be so happy you did because it will be beautiful and it will be comfortable. Get 20% off plus free shipping today. Visit manscaped.com and use promo code KING. Again, promo code KING. At manscaped.com, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com, manscaped.com. You'll be so glad you did. Why did so many people in the NFL, if not fall in love, fall in like with Cliff Kingsbury?
2: It's a great question because, how do I put it? didn't have much success in college yeah you know, losing record
1: what I'll tell you what really bothers me about the the love affair with Cliff Kingsbury yeah. and I don't and it irks a lot of people well here's what bothers me in whatever five or six years however long he was the coach there they never even had a respectable defense and and all I will say is that I don't care how good you are that's like that's like uh that's like you know, thinking that we're going to win every game fifty-six to fifty, there's a hubris to that. That right? is not sustainable at any level so of football.
2: I've become fairly close with Cliff over the last few years. I, I did a couple of stories back when my was coming out of college. We text, we talk here, we, we get together. He doesn't make excuses. He knows it wasn't. A, he'll also say he wasn't getting five-star recruits on deep. Like, they tried. They tried and tried, but they're not coming to Lubbock, Texas. And they didn't come to Lubbock, Texas. But on offense, they established such a culture where they could get the five-star kid on offense. So you build to your strengths. So when you have a Mahomes who's deciding to come there over the, uh, the other schools, when you have a, you know, at one point Baker Mayfield, at one point uh, a Jared Stidham committed there, yeah. and Davis Webb, these are all guys that Cliff had. And then obviously, you end it with the last couple years with whoever they had at quarterback. But, They were getting five-star talent on offense. They could not recruit five-star talent to come on defense, so they made the most of it, and they just put up 70 points and gave up 71 every game. Why why the NFL love affair? I think everyone's looking – I mean, I know it's so simplistic to say that, but with McVeigh having success, it's like we don't need to just go to – there's sexiness, there's a young way to to spin our team that we're the young next thing. And I think in today's generation of TED Talks and whatever else and podcasts, there's innovation everywhere. And I think this is looking at an outside-the-box hire that did something – at a very high level, score a lot of points, and that's where the NFL was going, this wave of cycles, and multiple teams are interested. He is the right place at the right time. He won't blow you away, though. I'm telling you, he is not this – people think of him as some playboy or some like – Cliff is very laid back, and he's not the McVeigh light you up in a re, in a room and yeah. say, hey, Peter, how you doing? It's more, hey, what's up, man? He's got a different personality than what you might think, thinking, oh, here's this 38-year-old single guy who you know is Barstool's a fan of whatever else you want to say. Cliff is all about ball, and when it comes down to it, that that's what he is. His father was a coach. His father's a Marine, like very disciplined. Texts me sometimes during the show. We're on the East Coast at seven a.m. He's texting me watching just with like, hey, I just saw what you said. Da-da-da. That means he's up at four a.m. and he's watching film and doing all that stuff. So he's got that that sickness that a lot of these coaches have, where he wants to be great.
1: Yeah. Um. If you right now had to put a percentage on what's the percentage chance that the Arizona Cardinals pick Kyler Murray, what would you say?
2: 85%. I,
1: I like that. I yeah. think that's good. And do you believe that Kingsbury is going to have to do or has already done a sales job yeah. on Steve Kime or? Do you think if left uh, his, his own devices that Steve Kime would independently fall in love with Kyler Murray? I don't know the latter.
2: I think the Kingsbury-Kyler relationship is interesting. So Kingsbury recruited Kyler when he was a freshman in high school, got to know the father, Kevin Murray, who a lot of people have spoken about. There's been a lot of ink spilled about whether he's too involved, all this stuff. Kingsbury loves the father, you know, former player himself, baseball player, obviously, and he's a quarterback's guru. But he recruited him as a freshman, recruited him as a sophomore, recruited him as a junior. He chooses Texas A&M. Then he's going to transfer from Texas A&M. Kingsbury recruits him again to come to Texas Tech. So this is now, we're talking four or five years of our relationship. Now he's coming into the pros and everyone says, well, Kingsbury took the Cardinals job. I wouldn't be shocked if one of the reasons Kingsbury took that Cardinals job over waiting for an offer from the Jets was the number one pick and the opportunity to coach Kyler Murray. And there's a lot of critics of Kyler Murray That's really, there.
1: really interesting.
2: He's got the number one pick. He, this, yeah. I'm going to make this huge leap and they're going to put their faith in me I would hope that they have the faith in me that I can make that pick of who's going to be my quarterback. And this is the crazy part. It's nothing against Rosen. Right. I think a lot of people are trying to immediately do the second part of it and say, well, what's wrong with Rosen? And it has nothing to do with Rosen. This is a love affair between a, a coach that goes back to 2009 or whatever it is when he met Kyler Murray or 2010, and it comes up to now, and it's like this is the perfect time. Are you a Kyler offense. Murray believer? I am.
1: Yeah, I am too. I am, and big time. Yeah.
2: And I almost felt um, – Not triggered, but when I heard the stuff about he wasn't prepared for the interviews at the combine, it almost emboldened me more, saying if you think that these teams can get that out of 15 minutes and have the the gumption to say, oh, he's not for us after 15
1: minutes, and you're judging it based on that and not on the tape. Those people should not be in football. Right? They shouldn't be in football. 15
2: minutes? It's ridiculous.
1: They shouldn't be in football. And let's,
2: let's throw out some teams. Let's say it was the Redskins. I'm just saying the 15th pick. Kyler Murray. Now look, I know it's not. You don't want to hear this, but maybe Kyler Murray didn't have his best foot forward to go on the board for the Redskins with the 15th pick
1: because he knows maybe that he's not going he there. He's yeah, not
2: going there. Maybe he knows that because he met with the Arizona Cardinals 7 p.m. Eastern in Indianapolis the Friday of the combine, and he blew them away. And they they were in Oklahoma last week. Now they weren't at the pro day, but they followed up with him a week later, and he blew them away. Like. He's got this rare deal where if he doesn't want to do this, he could do something else. The baseball yeah. money's real. He was a top ten pick in baseball, so if he doesn't want to wow, and I just said the Redskins, but I don't know where you know that report came from, but say it was the Bengals at eleven, or say it was the uh, I don't know. the Dolphins. The dolphins, that, dolphins at yeah. thirteen. I don't yeah. want to go to my. I I think he's going number one overall, and I think the way he handled that report, I saw some interviews with him, and I think Daniel Jeremiah did a good with him, good one with him on air on NFL Network. Class, Grace laughed it off. Like it was below him. I'm like, that's what I want my quarterback.
1: Yeah. I really get the impression that, you know, from what I've heard about Murray, that he's basically a don't worry, be happy guy. And he worries about the things that matter. And again, I don't know him at all. I've never had a conversation with him in my life. But the people who know him say that. He doesn't sweat the small stuff. And I I find, you know, this is one of the things that I kind of like about him. When he's in high school, he plays basically at the highest level of high school football in the United States. How many losses did he have? Zero. He went 45-0. and And he played twice in Jerry World in front of, I don't know, 55 or 60,000 people. So from the time he was... 17 16 17 18 years old A he's always been the best guy yep B he's always been the smallest guy yep and so now he gets behind an offensive line that is 65 64 65 65 64 and he is uh, you know 7 inches shorter than those guys and yet he throws 89% of his passes from the pocket and he gets fewer passes batted down than, uh, you know, than Locke, than Jones, than Haskins. And when I asked Lincoln Riley about that, he had a great line. He goes, don't you think if you had been doing the same thing at the same relative size to everybody else for years and you were great Don't you think you would have figured out how to do that? So why do people think now that because he's going to the NFL that all of a sudden he's going to have a problem doing it? And I think that's the, the right way to look at it. He has been used to, in five years of playing with the best players, first in high school and then offensively in college, you're playing with the best players against, at that level, the best players and you dominate almost every game you ever play. Why do you think that going to the Arizona Cardinals or whatever team it sure. is that you're going to stink? It's the same thing as Baker Mayfield. Thing. You know, Baker Mayfield, I'll never forget this last year, and you, I'm sure you you have a story something uh, we like all have this. The
2: May- We All the Mayfield story from pre-draft right through it. The, yeah.
1: the Baker Mayfield story that ama- just amazed me is that John Dorsey told – his brain trust. You know, he told his assistant GM Elliot Wolf and, and Alonzo Highsmith Scott McLuhan was his, his probably yeah. his, his the guy he trusted most the about the quarterback yeah. position, even though he wasn't a full time employee. And obviously Hugh Jackson he says I want you guys to all look at the all the quarterbacks and I want you to come to an independent decision. I do not want you talking to each other. I don't want anything. Now, believe this if you want. I choose to believe it. I'm not I would not go to Vegas and swear yeah. it, but I've I've been told uh that this is the absolute truth. That all five people watched the tape and all five said that they favored Mayfield number hmm. 1. So, I look at that and I just basically say, you know, Mayfield season in 2017 um you know, at Oklahoma, was very similar to Kyler Murray's season in 2018 in so many ways. Right up to where they got in the playoffs,
2: right up to it in the Heisman Trophy and everything.
1: And and I and I just say, uh, you know, I, I try to poke holes in in this, but I just I don't know why you wouldn't trust Kyler Murray. There, we
2: all have the Mayfield. I'm not gonna tell you a Mayfield story too that'll blow you away, but. It, Going back to Kyler with this, which is your point, and 45-0 in college, never had an off-season focusing on football, was playing baseball That's at the highest level. So when he wasn't playing football, he was completely focused on another sport. He's the first player. He's going to be the first player ever drafted in the first round of both sports. He had $4.25 million handed to him that he's going to end up giving back because he wants to play football. To me, it's almost too good to be true, and... You know, he's not Baker Mayfield in the sense that Baker Mayfield, his personality is one of a kind. And Baker Mayfield is maybe the greatest leader that's ever going to walk through a room and players will run the wall. Murray is not that. Here's the term I, I was given, and I love this. And it wasn't from Lincoln Riley. It was someone else that knows Murray well. Whereas Mayfield is a leader and is an alpha and all stuff, Murray is easy. Right. It's easy. He comes in. it's a smooth. It's hey, we got this. Yeah, just trust me.
1: He's got a little bit of a Lamar Jackson personality. Cool. Yeah, like cool. Yeah.
2: like I and you say, well, I don't know if I want the I want the Mayville. Joe Montana was easy. yeah, was cool. There's a different way to lead, you know, there's all sorts of different ways. And these players swear by him, and Mayfield swears by him. Mayfield loves Kyler Murray, and a lot of times you talk about a high recruit as your backup, all that stuff. But you know
1: what, Mayfield, I think the reason he loves him is because Kyler Murray was a great backup to him. Probably a great teammate also. Yeah, that's, yeah.
2: It tells you a lot, that he wasn't the four-year starter, you know, and I got, because I said the same thing about Haskins, I said he only played one year. I said, what about Kyler Murray? I said, that's a different situation. Different situation. Yeah. Yeah, whatever it is, every player is different. I think Murray goes number one. I said 85%. By the time this podcast goes up, I might be at 99%. <laughs> I'm talking myself into right. it.
1: Is there anybody out there you feel right now feel strongly about Haskins? No. Or do you think he's still, he's really an up-in-the-air guy right now?
2: I don't know why, but I don't have any team that's like slam dunk right Haskins. And usually I got a feel for it. Like last year, I could say it now. I knew at this point the Patriots loved Baker Mayfield. Yeah. They loved him. They had two front oh, hey, wait, by Baker the Ford. way, by the way, yeah.
1: aren't you the one who reported that on yeah. Thursday? Yeah. Because I remember hearing that. You know, there's a cacophony of sound sure, on just, draft night. A, I don't you talk know?
2: much. And When I talk, I'll tell you this, Peter. I think you're the same way. Yeah. When I put it out there, it ain't BS. It is yeah. not, I don't do rumor mill stuff. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Yes, I put it out Thursday. That one rang your wrong. You said, okay. Well, I, I remember
1: that, that really well. And the reason I remember it is because you said, Josh McDaniels went to see Baker Mayfield. And I said, holy crap. If he did that, that tells me that the Patriots, this is what it tells me, that the Patriots think, okay, if baker mayfield gets to six seven eight exactly right we're gonna trade exactly the ranch right. to exactly try to right. go it get wasn't,
2: they weren't going up they, they, one, they can't go to number one you know but they were interested and i'll yeah. tell you another one mcveigh took a flight with him <laughs> i love this because it's a southwest flight and mcveigh sat next to mayfield on the way to the combine for the reason baker was wow. training and mcveigh and i spoke at the combine and i couldn't <laughs> say it at the time and i've never said it since i don't think mcveigh was like now that's that's a guy, like that's yeah. one of those. And when you hear it from McVeigh, and I don't know if it was McDaniels who loved uh whoever, or if it was Belichick or if it was you know Nick Cesario or whoever it was, Patriots liked Mayfield. When you yeah. hear that McVeigh liked Mayfield, things start coming into line. I'm starting to hear that with Murray a little bit, not from those particular people, but yeah. teams around the league saying, Well, Murray's hands down number one, and then you pick Locker Haskins, how you want to order it out, whatever. But. Murray's getting that kind of feel right now, that momentum where it's, wait a second, people I trust are all in on Murray. Of course, I'll come in line as well.
1: Is there anything you think the Oakland—let's say that what I heard a lot at the Combine is true, that John Gruden loves Kyler Murray. Yeah. Okay? Is there any price that they could pay— to move from four to one.
2: Right? It's the ultimate test of will. Say say, say you have the sign-off from Kyman and Bidwell and you're Kingsbury, and you're not making the pick, but you're making the pitch. I need this Kyler Murray. And then they offer you the four, the 24, and the 27. Yeah, I know. Can you, tr- can you turn down three first-round picks? Because you have Josh Rosen there, who you like. Again, like I said, they don't dislike Josh Rosen. That's fascinating. Now, do Mayock and Gruden have the stones to do that?
1: I don't know. Maybe, but... I thought Mayock said something very interesting here in Phoenix. He goes, the biggest strength we have is that John Gruden has a 10-year contract. Yep. So we can make some decisions. You know, it was very interesting. I wrote this in my column that that uh, about that MIT Sloan yeah, yeah. guy who, uh, when they said that the Oakland Raiders made the trade of the year in 2018... In trading Khalil Mack to the Bears, obviously we all thought differently. Of and 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 Ryan Pace wins Executive of the Year sure. for Yesterday. making yeah. that trade. That one trade. But 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 what was so interesting about that trade, about that award, is that the guy who spearheads the the Sloan MIT committee that made that pick is the 2017 Nobel Prize winner for economics. Huh. Richard Thaler, and he told me when we were talking about it, he goes – he says, here's the reason why I love that trade because I really dislike very high picks in the draft because I believe that the sweet spot for picks is late one to, like, mid two. I love those picks because those picks overall – Um, you know, historically, value historically are so much better. So I would always trade that down unless I needed a quarterback. But that's why I think John Gruden he he looks at that and he says, "I am not paying, you know, Khalil Mack twenty two million a year. I'm just not doing it. So let's take our medicine now." John Gruden's a big boy, yeah. and he can take he people like me saying, me too. saying, uh, you know, this is an idiotic yeah. trade. <clears throat> and now I wonder if they would really try to do something gigantic again.
2: Was Antonio Brown not gigantic enough?
1: That was a strange one because. They only paid a three and a five, and I think they had so much cap money it was... that they're basic—and they basically—Peter, let's let's be honest. I, I think it was a little bit overrated how risky this is for You're them right. because he's going to be on their team sure. for the next two years, he's there. even if he's a disaster. So he's going to get all his guaranteed money anyway. Now, maybe they cut him after two years if he's a jerk. I don't know, yeah. but— they're, they're, uh, I, I I, think the Raiders are very interesting. They right are. Now. I think
2: they've done a good job. And, you know, it's funny. This Twitter world is so bizarre. But I made a comment on the show that rubbed people the wrong way. And I'll tell you who really came after me. And it's funny. But I said, you know, yes, Antonio Brown and Derek Carr seem to be getting along. And I've heard stories that the two of them are working out privately. And it's going swimmingly. And but I said, something rubbed me wrong about the Raiders.com camera crew being there when Derek Carr first embraced Antonio Brown, and then Antonio Brown brings an Instagram team to Derek Carr's kid's birthday, and they're all there. I'm like, this. it, it seems like it's a lot of, hey, I've got a new girlfriend. Look, hey, Ben, are you watching? Like, we're yeah. getting along. And Derek Carr and, Dar- and uh, David Carr's oldest brother, Darren Carr, who I don't know, he's on Twitter, started coming at me and saying, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. This is real. This is it.
1: It seems like- But why did they have to be so public about it? I mean, it just—it's almost like, "Hey, we're buddies." I saw that stuff. I thought it was weird. It was weird, it was and it weird. was
2: March. I said, "Let's see it in September when things aren't yeah. so great, or see it in October because I think there's this feeling amongst the Raiders and the Raiders organization. And I might be struck with lightning for saying this, but like, they're even convincing themselves, Derek Carr's our guy. Like Derek yeah. Carr's our guy, Derek Carr's our guy. And look, Antonio Brown likes Derek Carr. They put together at the Pro Bowl." Kyler Murray, I'm, I mean, I'll tell you, like, I heard Gruden is watching film of Kyler and going, but, you know, you hear stories yeah. that like, yeah. and if Kyler Murray is the guy they want to put on a giant 50-foot or 500-foot you know, billboard in Vegas and on the yeah. entire MGM Grand is all Kyler Murray, it's a lot sexier than Derek Carr. And it's a lot more interesting than Derek Carr. So
1: Because he's the new guy. Yeah, new guy. it's interesting. But you know, one of the reasons why I don't think the Cardinals would do it is because the Cardinals desperately need a billboard, right now. They desperately Does he sell need a tickets billboard. Any
2: more than Josh Rosen, Kyler, yeah.
1: Yes, think, in a th- big, big way. In my opinion, I think this might be. Let's say they they if they were to, for some reason, to pass on Kyler Murray. In my opinion, anyway. Yeah. I think they would feel it at the box office. I think they would feel it. I think this would be the first year where there would start to be not a red sea, but an empty seat sea.
2: If they were with Josh Rosen and went three and 13 and yes. it was the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And it's been that way. Remember, we go back to those early two thousands when it was, you know, it right after Jake grim Plummer, scene. it was great. Yeah. we had Max Hall at quarterback and all yeah. that. It was not pretty. Um, I'm interested to see if there's, if Murray and Kingsbury were together cuz forget the tickets here like does Fox put them on more you know like is that an Aikman and Buck type thing or is that still let's watch and let's see how it goes is that something where Collinsworth and Michaels are calling the games cuz you know what i think Cardinals gonna, are irrelevant you
1: right know what now. i think is going is is really tough for the NFL right now when they make out their schedule and they make their primetime games right now today The Arizona Cardinals would be on national TV one time, and it would likely be a Thursday night game in week three.
2: NFL Network only. Okay. like one of those deals. It would be
1: one of those things. And yet, you know, I think one of the things we learned from 2018 is how incredibly fun. If you look at the ratings for the Browns-Jets game in week two. Monster. If you look at that in the first half, it was meh. Yeah. Okay. But then Baker remember, Baker Mayfield comes into that game for Tyrod Taylor, and the end of that game, I somebody in the league told me this. In the years that they've been doing the Thursday night game, there had, had, had never been a spike from the second start of the second half to the end of the game like there was because Mayfield was in and he was really, you know, playing well was, and exciting, everything amazing. like that. And and so all the only point I'm making is the NFL's I I one up you. The
2: Chiefs played maybe two primetime games last year. Yeah. Patrick Mahomes was the greatest player in the league and because
1: yeah. it, you don't know. Well, right now and and so my point is, my point is if Arizona if they got to make the schedule out before one the draft. week before Absolutely. the draft they, they will finalize the schedule one week before the draft. So I I'll, I'll tell you what I I think this might be one of these uh, Howard Katz to Michael Bidwill phone calls. Um, I don't want to hedge my bet. Tell me I'm making the right pick here. It, if I put Arizona on four times, are you well? Not four. I was going to say twice, with this understanding that, quite honestly, the Arizona Seattle game in Week 11 might get flexed sure. if Arizona is. You know, five and four, and but playing an incredible game every week. Who knows? Yep. And look, this is all ridiculous stuff. No, this is what's fun I, thi- I, I think. About I think it too.
2: Last year, San Francisco 49ers had four straight primetime games, and right. Nick Mullins was their quarterback. Yeah. Do you think there were a couple phone calls? Hey, uh, is there, you know, of course, I'm sure someone called the Niners and said, Is there anything yeah. we can do? Is there anyone? Yeah. We is there a trade or something? Like, the NFL knows where the bread is buttered and Kyler Murray might be the answer
1: well, I'm, we're gonna, we, we could talk for eight hours but, so, but I want to ask you just one other thing yeah. and then we'll go off we with Peter Schrager uh, Fox uh, NFL Network Good Morning Football um, one team that no one is talking about that I happen to think might be really really good like 11 win good is the San Francisco 49ers because I think Garoppolo coming back, I think Kyle Shanahan, this is so weird. Somebody somebody mentioned this to me. Well, oh, Shanahan's got to win this year. He could get whacked. And I'm thinking to myself, how unbelievable is this? That a guy has two years of incredible rotten luck at quarterback. Terrible luck. Okay. And then all of a sudden entering three years, I think what's kind of wrong with the NFL is that He has great respect in his locker room. Shanahan does. Players have very high regard for him. And because he's had no look at quarterback, people are saying, well, he's got to win in year three or he's going to get whacked. It's insane to me. But what do you think of the 49ers right now?
2: Very interesting. And I, last year, they, you know, I think the Colts asked you to come in and do one of those State of the Union things last year. I did one for the Niners. I got caught up in it. And I'm like, you guys, you know, and I'm like. And I came back to the show, and I'm like, Joe Staley and Mike McClinchy it's a great thing. I'm like, Garoppolo and 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 these and this receiver, you know, and, and Kyle and John Lynch are on the same page. I'm like, I think they're going to win the NFC West based on that, you know? Yeah. And I still feel that way because the McKinnon injury was killer.
1: Well, I can just tell you this right now. I tell you this right now because every year I do that schedule thing uh, with um, – you know, with those guys at the NFL, the day that the schedule comes out, I go and spend a couple hours with Howard. You know, with Mike North yeah. and, and Howard Katz and Ani Bose and those guys, uh, the schedule makers. And I'm just telling you, I walked out of there last year and I said, These guys think the 49ers are going to win 12 games because they they have loaded up the schedule they they with four Niners. Four in a row. The yeah. Giants,
2: Niners, Raiders, Niners. They, but my point with the Niners is, I almost. I don't want to give him a mulligan, but like it's a weird thing that they were the second worst team in the league last year, and yet they won some games with Nick Mullins at quarterback, and yeah. they won with Dante Pettis as their number one receiver, and they won with Jarek McKinnon, their huge free agent signing, not playing a down, and yeah. all those guys come back. Sherman was surprisingly good. Like yeah. Richard Sherman was great in the locker room for them, and everything you want, and they're going to add a Nick Bosa or a Josh Allen or a Quinnen Williams, like. They're going to be good this year if yeah. they stay healthy. And a story that we don't – it doesn't make – they hired a whole new training staff. Like It was like someone has to, someone has to answer to all these injuries, yeah. whole new training staff, whole new doctor, Like whole new everything. They believe that they've got the right things in place. And to the people that think Kyle's in trouble, I could tell you, knowing Jed York very well, Kyle Shanahan's going nowhere. And until those guys are healthy and then they fail, they're not going to blame that on the coach.
1: Peter Schrager, we've awesome. had a we've had a good time. It. We always have it, a good man. time chatting. Uh, thanks for joining me. Have a great rest of the off season, and and really, I'd like you to go have a little bit of a normal life between like maybe May first, and July twentieth. My wife and you, trust me. Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> that's it. I, I I I really struggle sometimes, especially in the off season. With the NFL, what do you Man, talk about I on May
2: thirteenth? What do you talk about? Because that's we need. to Listen,
1: help. there's a reason why you know, I'm not the mmqb. There's got a some reason. There's uh. a reason why I'm not running the mmqb anymore because I just at, at the end of the day, I just got tired of. <laughs> Oh this my the, God! Is, just I feel like a couch. just like inventing things, <laughs> and I love, I love the place, I love the people, but I'm
2: not knocking the guys. I remember this last year it was That's like, good. and here is a backup tight end doing a guest column for the week. I'm like, yeah, Peter's, he's hit the, it's gone to the well here. Man. This is
1: it. it. Happens. Peter Schrager, thanks so much. Awesome, thank you. Alarm! The Willies! The Heebie-Jeebies! Panic! There are dozens of words for fear, but just one for an exceptional home security company to stop fear at your front door. Simply Safe. Simply Safe is home security that knows it feels good to fear less. This is award winning 24 7 protection that protects your home through it all blizzards, blackouts, and burglars. Simply Safe has won awards from all the tech experts that count. The Verge calls it the best home security. It's won Reader's Choice from PC Magazine. It's a two time winner of CNET Editor's Choice and a Wirecutter top pick. Simply Safe has no contract, no hidden fees, no gotchas. And they always keep prices fair and honest. Thanks to Simply Safe, fear has no place in a place like home. Try Simply Safe with free shipping and free returns. You'll get a 60-day risk-free trial too. Order now. Have your home protected within a week. Go to simplysafe.com/king to get started today. I'm going to spell that out for you. S I M P L I S-A-F-E that's simplysafecom slash king be sure to go there so they know we sent you you're going to feel so much better when you do simplysafecom slash king and now my conversation with Ross Ketover of NFL Films about this cool new venture that they're working on with Peyton Manning back in the Peter King podcast. Very happy to be joined by uh, Ross Ketover of NFL Films. Now, Ross basically runs the show uh, at NFL Films, particularly uh, when we're talking about the 100th anniversary programming uh, all around the National Football League, which NFL Films will be involved in uh, in a very, very major way, so for those who don 't know two, the two thousand and nineteen season will be the one hundredth season of professional football in the united states the uh, the nfl the nFL was uh, was not formed this is not actually the one hundredth season of the National Football League because in the first season uh, the league was called the ross do we do we know? I should know this, but I don't know. It had a different name, but it was formed uh, and, and basically they just renamed it at the end of the year, the National Football League.
0: The, the 100th season from when uh, George Hallis and yes. got that group together in the Huttmobile and formed an uh, official league uh, and that's what the NFL is very excited to celebrate over this next year.
1: Yes. So, Ross, what really interests me the most when I heard what NFL Films was doing and some of the programming has to do with a show called Peyton's Places you you basically have uh, engaged Peyton Manning to go around the United States and to uh, meet chat, do things that are going to end up being uh, 30 episodes on television uh, of basically Peyton Manning going out And when we were talking, uh, basically being a really kind of interesting everyman, even though he's more than an everyman, but you described him as sort of like an Anthony Bourdain, sort of experiencing the culture that he is going into. I heard about a couple of episodes, one where he visits Joe Namath, you know, and talks a lot about with Namath about his, uh, uh, incredible experiences of, of a half century ago, uh, winning Super Bowl three and, and, and all that, but, and there are others, but I want to leave it up to you to, to just tell me if you can, how did this come about? How did you convince Peyton Manning to do this? And what has it been like working with him on the project?
0: Thank you, Peter. Um, well, I think to take a step back, what the NFL really wanted for the hundredth season was to have fun. It's a gift for the fans. It's a celebration of the players and the history uh, and not take ourselves too seriously. And we thought how best to create a fun series of content. And Peyton has a unique combination of knowing the history, being a legend, and being a really funny guy. So we thought what a perfect person to host one of our signature series around the 100th. And we talked to Peyton and I think he was excited about the idea of experiencing the NFL through his love of history, through his love of of the game, but also how much he respects a lot of the legends throughout the through the history of the league. And that's what we do. We're traveling across the country with Peyton. He's running Jerry Rice's workout hill. He's watching game film with Roger Staubach on and the giant jumbotron in the Cowboys Stadium, to, to like you said, he's visiting with Joe Namath. And he's what really was the
1: Joe Namath experience like? Do you know much about what his time was like with Joe?
0: I mean, every, Joe is as charming as they come. So between the two of them, I know uh, Peyton put on the fur coat. Uh, they talked about the guarantee. They talked football. They talked about being a star in the biggest mark, biggest marketplace. You know, Joe arguably started NFL players doing big commercials, which Peyton has taken the mantle of <laughs> He really has. So uh, it's just been a lot of fun with Peyton, and we're excited to shoot some more over the next few months and, and start putting these shows together. And we're partnered with ESPN on it, and that's, that's where all of it's going to live. So, Ross, what,
1: what about this format where basically my understanding there are going to be 30 20 minute shows or thirty half hour shows, however, however it, it becomes. And 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 why that form? So it could live through the entire season?
0: Yes, we wanted to group things by topic and we wanted to talk about things that were historical in a new, unique way. NFL Films has been documenting a lot of these things for a long time. But for example, we could tell the story of George Hallis and the in the Huttmobile or we could have Peyton drive one of those actual cars through the streets of LA with Jay Leno, who's a car collector, and talk about the history of the league that way. And we just thought, what a great new way to tell these stories with our fans, for our wow. fans.
1: Who was the, who were the idea mavens to come up with the the 30 ideas for Manning to do?
0: Uh, we have a, a few producers, uh, Neil Zender and, and Keith Cosgrove are running the series coming up. We have a giant wall of ideas some Peyton rolls his eyes at, some he says that sounds great. And I think it's really just how can we group these different topics together uh, in a fun way, in a way that covers the most important moments and people of the history of the NFL. Ross, uh, tell me what else
1: is America going to see over the next eight to ten months uh, as the league experiences its hundredth year?
0: Um, I, I think you're going to see the, the NFL is really going to be focused on it. We just announced the other day that the kickoff game is going to be in Chicago because it's their 100th anniversary as well. Uh, for us, we're doing a lot of content. Uh, Peter something you certainly are associated with. The NFL is going to unveil its all-time team, and we're going to unveil it in a series of shows that NFL Films is producing. Peter was one of the very esteemed members of the Blue Ribbon panel that selected this team, um, and we are going. To... I was
1: actually a tattered ribbon. Bill Belichick and John Madden and Don Shula—they wore the blue ribbons.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they were happy to have you there. Uh, I think it, they did. A, the committee has done a really nice job of getting, making sure all ten decades are covered and represented. Uh, and that team is going to be unveiled in six straight weeks on NFL Network at the end, towards the end of the season. Um, we're also going to do 100 Greatest Countdown shows. Greatest, all things that the fans will love, greatest plays, greatest games, greatest characters, greatest teams, and game changers. Uh, and that'll be 20 hours of content, also airing on NFL Network, NFL.com, all of the things that the NFL owns. The pl- uh, fans are going to get to vote for the 32 greatest moments uh, of all time. Every team is submitting their four best. That's all going to be decided on by the fan t- digitally. Um, there'll be roundtable shows by Hall of Famers and Legends, so there's a lot of content. We're very excited for this season. Um, Ross, when, when
1: trying to determine how to celebrate the 100th year of the NFL, what went into the determination? Was this more an idea of, you know, the fun moments of it? Because... I'm aware of what you're going to do, and what I find interesting is that it isn't just 20 lists of okay, who's the 10 best teams of all time? Who's the 10 best quarterbacks of all time? Who's the 10 best? That's stuff that is is not all that imaginative. So, what went into some of the idea sessions that brought you to this point?
0: Uh, No, you make a good point. Listen, we've done a lot of countdown shows, and countdown shows are fun. At the same time, for our 100 Greatest series, we decided, how can we, instead of talking to all the same people, we went and spoke with every celebrity we could find who loves football. So we have John Hamm talking about his love of the Cardinals, and um, Brian Cranston did a long interview about how much he loves games in the cold, and uh, Patricia Heaton loving the cardiac cats of the Browns, and Melissa Etheridge, who was there for Hank Stram winning the Super Bowl. So we're sort of trying to find a way to show how football is intertwined with the popular culture of this country. And it certainly might not have started that way in the 1920s, but I think it's pretty linked right now. And we're just hoping to uh, showcase that to all the fans this year.
1: Let me ask you this to end. When will people start to see the Peyton Manning series, Peyton's
0: places? Uh, ESPN is, is sort of deciding the rollout on that. Um, I'm not sure. I think they're going to see it Uh, the whole football season i don't think it's something that's all going to happen on one day i think you will be able to watch it for the entire extent probably from the late summer all the way through the super bowl we have so much we're doing with them and we want to uh we want to use every possible second that we can so i think listen to espn's announcements stay tuned and there'll be a lot of good content for people to watch who love football this year
1: ross kett over nfl films should be a lot of fun thanks for joining me no thanks thanks for having me Thanks to my guests Peter Schrager and Ross Ketover. If you enjoyed these conversations, be sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes in my podcast series, such as my conversations with Jerry Jones, Adam Vinatieri, and Tony Romo. You can find these on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a review while you're there. You can also hear the Peter King podcast. On Sirius XM Radio every Saturday morning at 7 Eastern on Mad Dog Sports Radio Sirius XM Channel 82. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work, and thanks of course to my sponsors: Bet DSI, Wix, Manscaped, and Simply Safe. Please support them the way they support this podcast. And I'll see you next week.